0: For me, I made a lot of sacrifices in order to to be here. You know, I saw this as my ticket. Not a big ticket, but this is it. This was my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. And I've never felt more connected, more passionate, and I've never felt more whole about anything in my life other than being on my snowboard and sharing that experience with others.
1: Growing up on the streets of San Diego, Ryan Hudson never imagined he'd be snowboarding in big time competitions and exploring the mountains of Alaska. Today, Ryan's taken expeditions with renowned athletes, starred in an adventure film, and he's sponsored by brands like the North Face and Sierra Nevada. Ryan's journey to the slopes is an inspiring and unlikely story. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. This episode of Wild Ideas is one I have a personal history with. In 2004, I got involved with the organization Outdoor Outreach. They work with underprivileged youth in San Diego, exposing them to outdoor sports and adventures. When I first started working with the organization, they had a partnership with the Tucson Teen Center, a shelter for homeless and at-risk young adults. During an outdoor outreach trip in the early 2000s is actually when I met Ryan Hudson. At the time, he was just a young teen. All right, Ryan Hudson, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I've known you since you were a teen.
0: Man, many years, yeah.
1: (laughs) You don't age, dude. You don't age. Thank you. It's amazing. You just get wiser.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: I thought we'd just start with you telling us how you found snowboarding.
0: Oh, man. Um, I mean, I guess the cliche answer is snowboarding found me. I didn't really find it. You know, I I grew up in a, a very rough household um, as a kid. We were born and raised into poverty. And most of my childhood, you know, I wasn't exposed to really much things outdoors. And, you know, I kind of struggled as a kid growing up trying to find my place in the world, and I didn't really find that until I was about 14 years old. Um, I moved into a group home for teenagers called the Tucson Teen Center. It was a shelter for homeless, runaway, and at-risk youth. And at the time, I was living with my mother and my brother. I had just finished my freshman year of high school And we had just moved back to San Diego. And I remember we were just staying with uh, my mom's, a friend of hers, I believe. It was a friend from church or something like that. And we were just kind of staying in their basement living room. And one of my oldest brothers, Marcus, he had already been in in the program prior. Mm And I remember just talking to him on the phone one day, and he just kind of mentioned the idea of that program. And we talked about what it had done for him and some possibilities of you know, what it could do for me. And, and I talked to my mom and she gave me the okay.
1: The Tucson Teen Center was a live-in high school and a shelter. It also offered elective programs like computer science, art, and music. One day, the founder of Outdoor Outreach, a guy named Chris Rutgers, put up posters advertising a snowboarding adventure to Big Bear a few hours outside of San Diego. The posters caught Ryan's attention. He'd done some skateboarding as a preteen and he liked it, but he had no idea that snowboarding would open a completely different world to him.
0: I knew that this snowboarding trip was going to be special but I just I didn't know how special I just I knew it would be something fun that I can do Um, it would maybe look weird to see this little black kid doing it because I didn't see anyone else like me doing it but the man the whole process of waking up in the morning getting all the gear together and the, the long two and a half three hour drive and for me like that whole experience was what I wasn't expecting. I fell in love with the process, the process of like going on an adventure, you know, leaving your home and hitting the road for hours. And for the first time in my life, I was seeing, you know, cattle and like farmland and all these places that, you know, I see on TV and in magazines and I know exist in the world, but physically being there and, and passing them and seeing them from a car window is a different experience. And so, I think it's all just been building up ever since that moment and that high that I've been on hasn't, I don't think it's subsided even today.
1: So, okay, the first time you went snowboarding, you told me like, I wasn't that great, but I was like, it felt so fun and it was so joyful that I was like, I'm going to keep coming back and doing this.
0: Yes. Yeah, that, that first experience, I think what hooked me was that feeling I got from the adrenaline of being on the snow, the challenge of trying to master that craft, and then, you know, looking around me and, you know, for, for my first experience snowboarding, I was with a lot of my peers. So a lot of the kids that I was in the program with were there with me. And for the first time on this trip, every kid that we were with all got along every kid was was glowing with excitement and joy and just like happy to be there and for me i think i i immediately got addicted to that feeling of camaraderie and community and togetherness and as well as that feeling of accomplishment and that 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 challenge of of wanting to get better at something and then like watching my friends and peers do it also and struggle, but then like having a couple of them get it and be like, oh man, you got that toe side down. Like that's so sick. I'm working on it too. Like let me go let's go back up and do it. After that first trip with outdoor outreach up to Big Bear, my whole life changed. My demeanor changed, my attitude changed towards everything around me. I started making friends with kids who weren't friends with before, who I wasn't friends with before, I started listening to music I didn't listen to before, I started really just unlocked my curiosity and and dove headfirst into it. And obviously that was a choice in, in which like I wanted to see what was out there, and I wanted to keep doing things like that.
1: The summer after his first snowboarding experience, Ryan was looking for a job. Outdoor Outreach founder Chris Rutgers was visiting the Tucson Center one day, and one of the staff suggested that he hire Ryan. Soon enough, Ryan was working for Outdoor Outreach as a counselor, guiding other young people on trips like the snowboarding excursion that changed his own life. Fast forward a few years, Ryan graduates from high school and from the Tucson Teen Center.
0: Once you graduate from the shelter, they have a a studio apartment floor in which some of the graduates can live and rent. And that's where I ended up landing for about a year or two after graduating. And then I just believe I was making bad choices. I wasn't saving money, was really like still stuck in that high of... I want to skateboard. I want to like be creative. I want to write. I want to do all these like creative things. I don't want to work a real job, even though I I had a couple of real jobs. I just wasn't saving money. I was spending it all on that stuff. And then,
1: well, you were like eighteen, nineteen years old. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's kind of hard to do at that age. Hard to hard to force a kid who's never been responsible to be responsible for the first time in his life. And so, because of uh, the choices I was making, you know, they kicked me out of the graduate dorm. Once I left there. I kind of got slapped with reality again, where I ended up sleeping on a friend's couch for a good part of the summer, and that's sort of where everything started to spiral again for me. I started to really fall into the trap of being poor and homeless and struggling, and I wasn't really in, in touch with my family then. The only person I could really go to at the time was my mentor, who was the director of Outdoor Outreach, Chris Rutgers. And I went to him and just sort of explained my situation because a couple of weeks had gone by and he had saw that I was just like a completely different person. I was showing up to work super late. I wasn't as happy on trips. I just wasn't performing right. And he could tell like something was up. So I eventually spilled the beans to him and just kind of told him that like, you know, I'm kind of hit rock bottom, don't know what to do with myself. I don't know where to go, don't have much help or family. And... um he had like the golden idea of coming out to utah he's like hey when i was 18 i graduated and moved out to utah i worked and washed dishes for a ski pass and i got to ski a lot and it gave me time to really figure out what i wanted to do with myself and that's what led him to start outdoor outreach and so he offered to do that for me and said, I still have some connections up at the lodge. I'll call, see if I can get you a job. I'll buy your plane ticket, give you some cash and send you on your way. And I think it had only been like a couple of weeks maybe, or a couple of months that had gone by until I was on a plane out to Utah.
1: So you lived in Alta, Utah, which is actually, I think of Alta as like the skiing town, but Snowbird is Mm -hmm. also right next door to Alta Mountain, which is like one of the best snowboarding resorts in the world. So at a lodge in Alta, you were able to wash dishes, get a ski pass, and you had a lot of time on the mountains.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that first year was insane. I was just straight into the mountains. I had a really pretty tight schedule of just like, wake up, snowboard, come to work, wash dishes till about 11 o'clock or midnight, go to sleep, wake up, snowboard, (laughs) come back, wash dishes, and just repeat that for six months straight. And you got really good. Really good I at least at least I like to say <laughs> that I was I mean I was able to follow a lot of really amazing athletes. I owe a lot of what I know and and who I am today to Snowbird and that community up there. There's just so many amazing human beings of all walks of life that are amazing talents on snowboards on skis and in the bar and they're just really fun and amazing people to be around and you know as a kid who came from no, no community with a lot of culture to a very weird culture (laughs) with a strong community. But, um, it for me was, I had never been to college. So it was my college dorm experience where like Mm. you're, you're sharing bunks with in a room with three, three, four other people, you know, everyone's, everyone's all pent up. Every time it snows, people are going crazy. There's parties every night, and it's a great time. But for me, at the time, I didn't drink or smoke. I wasn't into party culture, or anything like that. So my head was in the books, basically. Um, I really wanted to focus on why I was out there. I came to Utah to find myself, to find a place for myself in this world, to you know, to snowboard, potentially get good or whatever. I don't know what I'm getting out of this experience. I just want to be better when I leave here, whatever that is. That led me to riding about 132 days, my first season. 132
1: Um, days of snowboarding, your first season. That's incredible.
0: Wow. And that's all I wanted to do. Following around a lot of those athletes, like, led me to learn a lot of tricks really fast. And I don't know. I just... I fell in love and just want to keep doing it.
1: How did you eventually become like a sponsored snowboarder? Like someone who could make at least a partial living from snowboarding?
0: I started out competing. My my first season in Salt Lake City or out in Utah, I got to watch this big mountain competition where a lot of the biggest names in big mountain snowboarding came out to snowboard and uh, I got to spectate. And it lit this fire under me where I like knew even more so I wanted to be a part of this community. The Big Mountain Competition circuit is just like one of the best, just like one of the best energies you can be around. I felt like some of the best snowboarders in the world were looking at me and cheering me on and like wanting me to do good and wanting me to to be at their level. So at the end of my first season, I went home in the summer, went back to San Diego, back to work with Outdoor Outreach, And that whole summer, that's all I talked about was I want to go back to Utah, I want to compete, I want to go back to Utah, I want to compete. And uh, over the summer, Chris Rutgers had got me in touch with a couple of sponsors, um, and a couple of those brands had already been supporting outdoor outreach. And through his just like wizardry uh, and his magic of communication, he was able to just like get me help basically. And that was basically how it started. I think from, from those early days, you know, a couple of my sponsors I still have today and are still uh, strong supporters today, and I am grateful for it. I wouldn't be here without them.
1: Ryan has come a long way from his youth in San Diego, and he's always been transparent about everything he's been through. Recently, Ryan even created an awareness campaign with the hashtag Streets to Peaks, The goal is to help young people recognize that there's a big natural world out there just waiting to be explored. When we come back, Ryan talks about making it work as a professional athlete. He also tells us about the time he climbed Denali with iconic mountaineer Conrad Anker and author John Krakauer. Ryan Hudson is a snowboarder with a pretty wild story. He grew up in poverty, but by taking chances and working hard, Ryan has become a professional athlete. In 2010, he won the North Face's Young Gun Award for up-and-coming snowboarders. Recently, Ryan co-starred in a Teton gravity research film called Mountain Revelations. The film followed three different pro snowboarders on a 10-day mission and Alaska's Chugash mountain range but it wasn't Ryan's first Alaskan rodeo eight years before the film Ryan took another once in-a- lifetime trip I want to talk about this this you know you've gone on some like pretty epic trips and you've put yourself in a position to be able to say yes at times when you really wanted to and that does take sacrifice like if you were working like a full-time job or you were in college, like at the time you wouldn't have been able to say yes. But you went on this trip with John Krakauer, who's a famous outdoor writer that, you know, I've love a lot of his books. Um, Conrad Anchor was on that trip. Can you talk to me about that and like what that was like and maybe highlights from, from that trip and what you learned from John?
0: Um, yeah, Unreal. I um yeah. so this was January 2013 and I remember we're here in Salt Lake at the Outdoor Retailer show and at the time I was um working with The North Face as an outdoor ambassador for them and so I was hanging around the booth I had crossed paths with a few of these guys like Alex Honnold and Conrad Anker Jimmy Chin and I just remember one time I met Conrad once and we're just like hanging out at the booth. It's like happy hour, so I've like, got God beer in hand, and everyone's hanging out. And he's like, "Hey, Ryan, like, great to see you, you know." Like, and out of nowhere, he's like, "So, I'm putting this trip together with a couple of buddies, and you should come." And I'm like, "Sure, like, yeah, I'll come on a cool little trip somewhere. Like, I'm, you know, not suspecting anything crazy. Like, I'm thinking we're going in the backcountry somewhere. I'm like, yeah, totally." And he's like, "All right, cool. Like, we'll send you information eventually." And I come home to an email from Conrad, and in the email is a permit to climb Denali. And the whole team is there. I think there was 14 people in total.
1: So just some power players in the outdoor industry. Okay, got it. Snowboarders, climbers, big mountain men. Just
0: like this super massive, heavy crew of like very amazing athletes who have all been in this environment before and then there's me at the bottom of that list just like rookie (laughs) and you can imagine just like the fear and or the nerves really of going on a trip like this with some of the biggest names in outdoors that to me was was huge
1: so how did you um get over your fear and and what happened on
0: that trip um so we go out in june I think we're a couple of weeks into the hike, and we're on these, like, long slogs. They're like six, eight, ten-hour days where we're hiking or we're cashing food, things like that. And throughout the trip, you know, I'm terrified. And screaming nonstop inside at the top of my lungs um, every step we take on this mountain. But I'm like trying to keep my cool and keep my demeanor and like, you know, keep up with the group. And, you know, I've been here before. I've been here before, you know, try and try and fit in a little bit. Meanwhile, I'm just like panicking on the inside. I grew up in sports, like football, basketball, and the way we hype each other up is it's just like, get loud, you know, you start huffing and puffing and, you know, you, just, you know, little, oh, oh, come on guys, we got this, you know, I would start to do that, and then, and John would look at me and he'd be like, Hudson, you know you can die today, right? And that would just flatline my, my whole energy. But it turned into this, like, very humbling thing where, like, I needed to hear that because, I was getting a little too much in my head. John and I started to build this relationship on this trip where I would get a little too excited because I needed to do that, for my, or at least I thought I needed to do that for myself to be ready, but then John would snap me out of it and bring me back down to earth and tell me, hey, Hudson, let's take today one step at a time, let's get home alive, that's all that matters.
1: That's really interesting. So you guys get up this mountain. You're with John Krakauer. You get almost to the top of Denali, and something happens.
0: Yeah, John and I are this on this day. We're like pushing for summit during this hike. We've been kind of cooking the whole way up we leave the group like we just have a really strong pace john and i are getting to know each other we're like telling each other stories of like you know just growing up and things like that on our on our hike and like we're just losing track of time and somehow we end up like 20 30 minutes ahead of our group and yeah we get up to what's called summit ridge and right at the start of summit ridge it's a probably about 300 or so some odd feet from from the summit and uh We have this super cool moment, John and I, right at Summit Ridge. We're like, we're chilling, waiting for the rest of the group. We're just like having this fully out-of-body experience with each other, just like living in the moment. Like I pull all my gear off and I'm like looking around at the atmosphere. Like I can see the horizon of the earth, like in 360-degree views of just like nature. And I look at John and I'm like, dude, John... I didn't know who you were before this trip started, and I'm just so grateful that I got to know you now. It just means so much more to me now. And he, like, looks at me, and he's like, you know what, Hudson, that means so much. Like, thank you. Like, I'm so, I'm so grateful to be here with you and, like, have this experience. And out of nowhere, just, like, out of the corner of his eye, John looks out on the horizon, and he's like, oh, that's great and all, but Hudson, we need to get the hell out of here now. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we're, like we're having this good moment. Like, why, why you got to stop that? And he's like, no, we we need to go now. Grab your grab your shit. Like, get your gear together. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, what? And in my shock, I'm like, stepping back and looking out around me, and I see everything changed. Like the sky, full 180 from blue sky, like light fluffy clouds to just straight wall of black, and in a matter of a minute we went from having this solid positive moment to to running down the hill from our lives because in that 30 45 seconds the sky went from blue and clear to storming and windy and lightning and it was the biggest lightning storm i think they had on record that year and we just so happened to be on the top of the mountain at that time (laughs)
1: Even with the harrowing journey down Denali, the trip refreshed Ryan's connection with the mountains. It reminded him of why he fell in love with snowboarding in the first place. And obviously, he met some pretty legendary people. By all accounts, Ryan has had a successful career in the industry. But regardless of all of his accomplishments, this lifestyle has been challenging. Can you make like a living as a snowboarder, Ryan? Or is it like something that you do and then you also do something else?
0: Um, that's a touchy topic because you can and you can't. Um, it's a yes and no answer. And I think it's very relative. Um, I hate that that's the answer I give. Um, I can speak for myself and my personal experiences. Um, and personally, no, I can't make a living just doing this there are opportunities that present themselves throughout the year in which i can shoot some content things like that to help build some some income but man i think the issue is you need your own agent to help you know manage your relationships with your brands and for myself i feel like i've maybe been given the short end on that just because I didn't have those, I don't have those resources, and didn't have them growing up, and I don't don't know how to obtain them. So I don't, you know, I don't have representation, and it's difficult. It's really hard for a struggling athlete who can't make it work for themselves. A lot of times, a lot of athletes in the in this industry can't afford to. Um, You know, go on big trips every year. They can afford to go to South America, or you know, even the the simplest things like car insurance and you know, getting a trip across the country to just go and camp for a week or something like that. Health insurance, like like there's a lot. That's just one of the things that you that I have to deal with, and I can really only speak from my personal experience. And for me, I think November seventh will be year fourteen in total, um, or fifteen. So in that 14, 15 years I've been here in, in Utah, snowboarding has been the priority. For me, I made a lot of sacrifices in order to, to be here. You know, I saw this as my ticket. Not, not a big ticket, but this is it. This was my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, the winters are good. You know, I can find a balance, but I've been working in restaurants um, for probably off and on that, this in the whole 15 years. I have like part-time serving job, uh, helping a buddy clean carpets all this summer. Um, I got like a couple of sponsors that were paying me monthly this year. So there's a couple of months I've been able to kind of lay low, but I sell my gear in the summer to kind of help with, with bills every now and then. I don't know, you kind of get by with the best of your abilities. And for me, this is all I've had and all I have. So I've made the necessary sacrifices. You you got to make the sacrifices if if you want to be great.
1: And it sounds like snowboarding really has been in some ways your glue. Like that's the thread that, that kind of you do everything with.
0: Yeah. And it's, I get that I'm, I'm here through very unorthodox means. Open a book to most of the stories of athletes in this industry. Everyone's like, oh, two years old. My parents took me skiing, which is what makes this whole industry super complicated is there's no structure to this. There's no structure for being an athlete. There's no there's no like, you know, if you want to get into the NBA, there's a path you got to follow. You want to go to the NFL, there's a path you have to follow. If you want to be a professional snowboarder or skier or mountain biker or skateboarder, there's no written path for people to follow, it's, it's just like opportunity and luck and hard work.
1: There's no one way to find success in adventure sports, and that can be both a blessing and a curse. It means someone like Ryan Hudson can start with zero experience and rise to their full potential. Luckily, Ryan had some connections, mentorship, and support from outdoor outreach That's why Ryan is launching the Streets to Peaks movement. It's in the early stages, but Ryan's goal is to get young people living in poverty out on the mountains for a chance to ski, to snowboard, and to find themselves in the powder.
0: Streets to Peaks was um, a hashtag I created to to sort of document and tell my story. Initially, I just wanted it to be uh, a place where myself or someone like me could could stumble upon and go share our experiences in the outdoors. Um, You know, the idea of coming from where you are um, and ending up somewhere better, whether that's from the bottom to the top, left to right, doesn't matter, wherever you are, you know, you can make progress in your life, you can move forward, you can achieve goals, you can be successful and get to where you want to go. The idea of coming from where I came from to being on the top of mountains that I've been on to make the friends and have the mentors and father figures, mother figures who have influenced and left lasting positive impressions on me, um, it's all streets of peace.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome to watch you grow into the amazing and reflective person, leader, and athlete that you are today. If you want to learn more about Ryan Hudson, you can follow him on Instagram at rhudson sb. That's r-h-u-d-s-o-n-s-b. Also, be sure to check out his hashtag, Peaks. That's S-T-R-E-E-T-S, the number two, P-E-A-K-S on Instagram. You can also find out more about Outdoor Outreach at OutdoorOutreach.org. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, and written and edited by Annie Fassler, Sylvia Thomas, and Sam Pierce Nitzberg of Puddle Creative. Our senior producer is Chelsea Davis, and our associate producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paola Motula and Joe Crosby. As always, we appreciate when you follow this show, rate it, and review the show wherever you listen, and remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas.